The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Well, good morning, everyone. It's nice to be here with all of you, and to, some of you have been here for all of the talks, so it's nice to have you come back again. So, um, this morning, number three, uh, I wanted to focus on um, the topic of inquiry, skillful inquiry, or cultivating wise attention and investigation. So, um, th the Pali word for, for wise attention, or, yeah, the Pali words for wise attention are yonis, yoniso manasikara. Um, doesn't really roll off my tongue that easily. Uh, but uh, I think it's, it's, worth our, 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 it's worth my time to try to define what, what my understanding of that is it, in any event. Um, so this talk will begin to make more sense. So this quality of wise attention is an attribute of attention that we can and we really ought to investigate in order to learn how to, um, or we ought to develop is what I meant to say, in order to investigate uh, the quality of our, of our thinking, our emotions, our mind states, our mindsets, basically to be able to look into our experience and understand it at um, a deeper level. So with wise attention or with this quality of, of uh, mindful awareness, we're able to look below our thoughts to the mind states or the mindsets that actually underlie them. So <clears throat> we may find ourselves, you know, thinking in a certain way. We have a train of thought that's going. And um, when, when we're just riding that train, uh, we're not really even aware that we're thinking. Um, but we may become aware of thinking at a certain point. And then... Um, and then there's another level of knowing that's underneath the thinking that is able to discern um, <clears throat> the attitudes that we hold, the, the, you know, this, the kind of the mind states that are, are really fueling our thinking. So we might find ourselves thinking in a certain way, and when we look deeper, when we're able to quiet down enough to look deeper, we may see that there's anxiousness there, or there's worry there, or there's anger there, or there's fear there, or there's grasping in some way or another that's there. And <clears throat> this anxiousness is known below the, th the level of thoughts. Does that make sense? Do you? Okay. So... So these mindsets or mind states that we create, that we um, uh, find at play in us, 
can also be, they don't have to just be things that we associate with negativity or with difficulties. They can be beautiful qualities like compassion and, and patience and empathy. And all of those things are also mind states as well. So with wise attention, we're able to clearly see if our thoughts or our mindsets evoke or alleviate the dukkha in our life. So with wise attention, this quality of wise attention, we're able to look at our experience and actually discern whether this experience is leading to happiness or leading to unhappiness, leading to suffering or leading out of suffering. So this is the quality of wise attention that we begin. So there's this level of mindfulness, which is mindfulness. It recognizes that we're thinking. But, it, but that level isn't really enough to know whether the, the, the thoughts that we're thinking and the attitudes that we have about them are causing us to suffer or not to suffer. So with this quality of wise attention, we cultivate this ability to begin to investigate our experience and our thoughts and our emotions and and especially these mindsets or mind states um, at a deeper level and we're able to determine whether they're leading us to um, uh, into suffering or out of suffering. And um, what we discover is generally that our ordinary reactive sort of default mode when we begin to look at uh, our experiences, our thoughts, particularly our thoughts, is, is that um, we interpret all of our experience through the lens of uh, self-referential story stories. We make a story out of our experience. We, you know, we have a thought and, and suddenly there's a narrative that's running. And then we, we instantly begin to evaluate that narrative. And so the experience itself or we move sort of further away from the experience as we move into the story about the experience. So the idea here, if there is an idea, or the, yeah, is to try and learn how to be with experience in a direct way without filtering our experience through story and narrative and evaluation, which is what we ordinarily do. There's nothing wrong with it. It's, it's a completely natural. Um, it's completely natural and everybody does it. I'm having a hard time getting comfortable on this cushion this morning. Um, but when this happens, we actually lose the mindfulness that we need in order to see through the tendencies that we all have towards greed, aversion, and delusion. And these things cause suffering in our life. 
So we have an experience, we have a thought, or we have a series of thoughts that we string together, and, um, and we generally get lost in them. And, and when that happens, we don't have the ability to see what those thoughts create in our life, whether they're creating suffering for us or, or they're leading us away from suffering. And, and what happens is that, in my experience, is that I may figure this out, but I'm already so far gone <laughs> that I have to play out the suffering, <laughs> you see? So to develop and cultivate this quality of wise attention is very useful. It's very useful and it's, very, it's immediately practical. So I, I want to give you just an experience or an example of how you might notice it in your own life or in your own meditation. Watch sometime when you're meditating. This is very easy to do when you're meditating. You can see it pretty clearly. Watch and see if there's a certain sort of repeating theme that comes up in in your thinking. So you may sit down and you may find yourself planning something or uh, you know, if you are busy with your career, your mind might go instantly to all the things that you have to do on your to-do list and all of your plans and so on and so forth. And you might be running this thought. All, you sit down, you want to meditate, you want to follow your breath, and the next thing you know, you're thinking about work or you're remembering an argument or you're planning a vacation. or you're do, it, it's Something is going on. And... And you'll notice sometimes, if you just track it, that it will show up in a lot of different sittings. It's not just a one-off kind of a thing. And if you look at that pattern of thinking, rather than trying to clamp down on it and, and sort of force it to go away, you just accept what what's, has arisen in, in your experience. And um, you can see that in the center of that stream of thinking resides who? Who's there at the center of those thoughts? Yes. Me. Me. Us. Us. So... These, this ordinary way of thinking is how we discover and reinforce our sense of self, our, our identities, in other words. And these identities, it's a very natural thing to do, but without seeing clearly what's actually going on, we're building these identities and this, this um, this tendency to 
finding identity or ascribing identity to all of our thinking and all of our emotions and every experience that we're having completely distorts and deludes us and makes us unclear about what our experience actually is. You see, we might just be having, we might not know that the mind state that is giving rise to these thoughts has created an attitude that we are people who are anxious or we are people who are angry or we are people who are even compassionate see so <clears throat> so when we begin to look at what's going on with this quality of wise attention we can begin to see what leads us towards problems and what leads us away from problems tracking Yes? Please? Maybe we could use the mic here. So um, you mentioned that what's at the center is us, our recreation of our own identity. So is that, uh, how does that connect to the mind state? Is the mind state then underneath that? Okay, so, so what I'm saying is that, uh, or what I'm trying to say is that uh, there's this level of thinking and experience, emotions and so on and so forth, and underneath that is a mind state that is supporting and giving rise or, or is underlying those things. And when you look at that, when you begin to notice that, you can see the tendency to identify with those thoughts as who you are and not to recognize those thoughts or those mind states as simply mind states. Just, it's just a mind state, you see? And so, and so the tendency towards creating identity is there, but it's not noticed because we're just off on the thought train. Thank you. When, when we develop this quality of mindful awareness that's able to investigate, we're then able to, to see what underlying mind states or mindsets are wholesome and lead us towards freedom from suffering and which mind states are not wholesome and lead us towards, towards uh, further suffering. So what, some mind states tend to have a negative charge to them and other mind states have a positive charge. So if we're frightened or angry or, or whatever, that's going to lead in one direction. And if we're experiencing a sense of empathy and compassion and kindness, that's going to lead us in another. So in this way, and both of those examples are examples of mind states.
So even something as sublime and wonderful as compassion is a mind state, and it has an effect on the way that we, we are in the world. And, and, and so the attitudes that we have about these underlying mindsets, our mind states, I should stick with one way of describing them, um, reinforce our sense of self or lead us towards freedom from investing every experience with identity. You see, it's, but it's with being able to investigate into the experience t- to see it just as an experience. Does that make sense? Good. Okay. So... Um, uh, we, we begin to notice, when we do this, we can begin to notice that we're cultivating the ability to uh, see what specific mind states depend on, what they're dependent upon. And, and if they're problematic for us, we can begin to see what's needed in order to release them. This is, this is the value, this is the benefit, this is the payoff from investigation. So, so we can't always do this immediately. It just doesn't, we might sort of get a hit of it, but it doesn't happen just immediately. So it does take patience and it does take a quality of willingness to stick with your experience long enough to recognize it just as experience. So um, these mind states and moods affect how we're feeling and they form the basis for how we respond to experience, how we respond to our experience. So when things are going smoothly, which is smoothly is generally the way we want them to go, right? <laughs> so when things are going smoothly for us, you know, um, we're optimistic and we're positive about life. Life is great. This is, we're on a roll. Life is great. So we, we cultivate a positive mindset. And when things are rocky, However, our mindsets shift. Makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah. So when things are going well, we're optimistic. When they're not, we're, we're definitely not optimistic. So in meditation, we can learn how to review and address our mind states and feelings. Listen carefully, just as they are. You see, we, we recognize these underlying states of mind just as they are. And we don't make them into an identity about who we are, nor do we try to force our experience to be in any certain way. So, I'm a good Buddhist, I meditate, and therefore I never have a negative thought or feeling. This is, this is, leads straight to dukkha, you see? So we begin to recognize these things 
just as they are. This is the very hardest thing because we're so used to, to building a narrative around what we're thinking or experiencing and then we evaluate the narrative and then boom, 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 we're, we're spun out and we get lost. If for those of you who have been coming to some of my talks, you know this is this is the thing I must be working with in my practice because I keep I keep building it into my. my it's like I could give one talk and that would be it. I, everything I know about the Dhamma I could give you in three minutes if I was skillful enough to articulate it clearly. So when we meditate, we can learn how to review and address mind states and feelings just as they are. And this is really incredibly important. So whatever mind states we feed influence how we think about ourselves and therefore our identity is about who we are. You've heard this, the, the, the story about the, the old Indian grandpa who, who, whose grandson, he tells the story to his grandson that there are two wolves and one wolf, you know, is anger and frustration and injustice and so on and so forth. And the other wolf is goodness and love and clarity. And they're in a war and Obviously, I, I'm trying to remember the story. <laughs> and they're, they're battling with one another. And, um, and then the grandson asks his granddad, you know, grand, granddad, which wolf wins the fight? Oh, there's two wolves within us. That's it. There are two wolves within us. <laughs> and one of them is like goodness and light, and the other one is darkness and... The other, and the grandson says, who wins the fight? And the grandfather says, the, the wolf that you feed, the wolf that we feed. So whatever mindsets we f- feed, whatever mind states we feed, actually influence how we think about ourselves and the identities that we have about ourselves. Now, this is important to understand because when we mistake the message of our direct experience the physiological, you can know this through sensory awareness. When we mistake the message of our direct experience about how things are in the present moment, in the present moment, anger has arisen. In the present moment, generosity has arisen. In the present moment, X, Y, Z has arisen. When we mistake the direct experience about how things are in the moment and turn that into the message of who we are, these mistaken mind states become deeply embedded as aspects of self, of who we think we are. So we take this experience of being angry and instead of just recognizing that that's how things are in this moment, anger has arisen, we invest that with this is who we are. We are angry. 
We are an angry person. And these reinforce, these, this misunderstanding is reinforced and, it, and becomes the mind state that's deeply embedded and it becomes an aspect of who we think we are. This is how you use wise attention to investigate direct experience. So that was really, that, that's really key to understand. When it occurred to me to, to think about it in this way, it really sort of cleared up a lot of confusion in my mind. So, I'm having an experience, right? And, <clears throat> and the experience, you know, it, it could be positive or negative, but it's having a big impact on me. I'm having this experience. And, <clears throat> and I think in the moment of having the experience that this is, this is my life, this is who I am, you see? When I can think about the experience or when I can be with the experience, let me say it this way, that's a much more skillful way to say it. When I can be with the experience as an experience about how things have come to be in this moment, that completely shifts my relationship to the experience. Because then I can see whatever is arising for what it is and just allow it to be what it is. And when I can do that and accept that, I can allow these things to roll through me and not to hold on, cling, and cause problems in my life, in our lives. This is what we do. We hold on to, the, to these ideas that we think we are the experience that we're having without understanding that the experience is just an experience. And so we cling to them if we like them. And we, you know, push them away if we don't like them. And, 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 and in that way, we don't see what's really happening. So the idea is to be able to look at, review, and investigate mind states and feelings just as they are. Please. When you talk about um, the thoughts that roll around just in our mind... That, do it um, because it is going to be recorded. When you talk about the thoughts and the stories that go through our mind, mm -hmm. and then there's the underlying emotion that that creates. That's the mindset, or the mindset well, the creates mindset could the could be stories. under the emotion as well. Okay. And uh, you say that this is who we are. I don't really understand how a situation that is happening to us that worries us, that we're thinking about over and over, is who we are. Is the worry who we are? Is the situation who we are? Yeah, sure. 
yeah, I, so I'm glad you asked the question if that wasn't clear. So I'm, I'm not saying that the emotion, the thought, or the situation is who we are. I'm saying that what happens normally when we, when, when we are thinking or having emotions or, or infusing mind states with a sense of solidity, so to speak, this is how we invest identity in, yeah, how we create identity through experience. Rather than recognizing the experience for just what it is, just an experience that arises, abides, and passes away, like all experience, we think that that experience that we're having, whether we are liking it or disliking it, is who we are. This is a natural thing. This is what we do. This might not be natural, but this seems to be what we do. When we can see the mind states, the thinking, the emotions, and whatever we are looking at, whatever we're investigating, for what they are, we can allow them to be just what they are and not hold on to them. Because when we hold on to them, we suffer. When we're aversive, we suffer. When we don't know what's happening, we suffer. So it's through creating, through cultivating a clarity of mind, and this happens through when we investigate our experience, we allow ourselves to sort of break the lock of that, that um, mistaken sense of identity that we ascribe to all of our experience. Does that make sense? It yeah. makes sense, but I still don't understand um, how that's, that equates with our ident- identity. Are the emotions that we are feeling, thinking about the situation, who we are? No, I'm, I'm not saying that is your identity. I'm saying we mistake that for our identity. Okay. We build identity into that. Is, is, did everyone get that? I'm not saying for a moment that, that that's who we are. I'm not saying we're anything, <laughs> actually. That's, that's a little hard to swallow, but in any event, you know, when we invest self into our experience, we're sure to encounter suffering at some point or another. You see? Thank you. Sure. There's one more question in the right behind you. Okay, so um, I'm having a problem with um, if you if anger is coming up, you just experience it as anger. You don't try to do anything about pushing it away. And then I'm thinking about the two wolves and feeding. Mm-hmm. You know, what you feed is what, I guess, continues to manifest. So mm-hmm. if you're there being angry, aren't you feeding that dark side that, you know, goes towards well, anger? Well, that's a very good question. Now think about it. If you're there and you see that this, 
this attitude and mind state has arisen in your in your experience and you recognize it for what it is and you see that that's going to lead to suffering and then you see that that actually is suffering you see are you feeding it i'm your question is jumping me ahead in my talk because it's through the seeing of our experience just as it is without trying to manipulate it change it or deny its its arising in any way that we sometimes are able to have enough spaciousness around something like anger for instance that it begins to just resolve on its own this doesn't always happen but we can't necessarily make ourselves be compassionate we can't make ourselves not be angry when we're in the throes of anger you see but when we recognize that anger has arisen our relationship to anger is different we can allow the anger to be there without expressing it without you know imposing it on other people you see we can let it just flow through and watch that it can change now this doesn't happen easily believe me especially if you're really angry you see so you have to you have to be patient you have to practice this the idea of turning and being with experience is so counterintuitive especially if our experience is not what we want it to be you know if it's great and wonderful that's that's terrific but we don't want to even be with the great and wonderful to the point where we notice that we don't want it to go away and so right there is is the first sort of awareness that there's suffering inherent in holding on you see it's not to say that that nice experiences shouldn't happen and that there's anything wrong with them but when we cling to them when we hold on to them it's just the same as if we're having bad experiences that we don't want anything to do with and we're pushing them away we're aversive to them and so feeding them means to believe in them means to give expression to them means to manifest them so the wolf that you feed is the one that you fatten and, and give him strength and power but by simply seeing and being with experience and letting it be just as it is because it's only momentary nothing lasts forever so each experience that arises if we can be with it in its arising it's abiding and it <laughs> we can be with it in its abiding and we can be with it in its passing away and in in cultivating this ability we can begin to be free from this sense of 
building this identity that we are angry people or we are certain kinds of people who we are. So um, if, if you're angry and that anger continues to sit in your meditation and, you know, so I would not try to push it away uh-huh. um, and it still continues, then just let it continue. Is that what you're saying? Well, um, <clears throat> so that's, that's what I was mentioning earlier in the beginning of the talk. When you're meditating and you notice that a certain theme comes up over and over and over again, it's, it's coming up because it wants to be known in some way, or something wants to be known, you see? So if it's anger that's coming up, you can actually begin to get interested in this phenomena of anger that's coming up, rather than being pulled into the anger and carried away by it. Anger is really powerful, and so it can really catch us, you see? But if you see it coming up over and over and over again, there's a certain attitude, there's a certain belief underlying that, the reason why it keeps coming up over and over again. And there may be a belief that anger is going to, in some way, bring you some I don't, I don't want to, like, analyze what your anger is doing, but anger is some, there's sometimes the belief that anger will make us, if, if we express the anger and protect ourselves with anger, that we're going to find a way to be happy and safe. So what's making us angry, we're going to make go away, and when we make it go away, we're going to be safe and we're going to be happy. You see, this is a mistaken idea. And all this gets revealed when we're able to investigate our experience with this quality of wise attention. This is what wise attention actually is. So our problems are always made worse. They're always exacerbated whenever um, we have this quality of self-view. And what it does is it just, when we infuse our experience with this self-view, we just get assaulted by shoulds and shouldn'ts, rights and wrongs, shame and pride, and all of the, all of the opposites that we've heard a million times. So <clears throat> we don't see the truth about these kinds of mind states, nor do we recognize them as habits of mind. We don't, we don't see that we have created a habit, and we also don't recognize these mind states for what they are. So we either assume that we're fine the way we are, or we end up believing that we're basically damaged goods that were screw-ups and failures. So this is, this is suffering. This is real dukkha. So the way through this 
which you jumped me to, is to address our suffering and stress directly. It's to look at it directly. And this means being clear in regards to whatever mind states arise in our experience and not to deny them, not to run away from them, not to push them away. This is not easy. If anger has arisen and anger is a problem for us and we're told to address anger, you know, <laughs> directly, this this is not an easy thing to do. I, I want to acknowledge that. But with wise attention and mindful awareness, um, we're able to, it, it allows us to actually stop feeding uh, these old habituated habits of mind and these habits that cause us to uh, uh, repeat behaviors and reinforce attitudes that lead in one direction, and that's straight to suffering. And instead, we can begin to choose to cultivate skills that bring us to peace and joy and ease and wisdom. We, can, we begin to have a choice then. You see, we can see anger has arisen, and, and because we see it and we, we don't identify with it, we have more freedom to choose whether we're going to be angry or we're not, or just going to, it's not that we're going to ignore it, but we're not going to feed it. So, so both, as I said earlier, both positive and negative mind states tend to just capture our attention. They, they you know, seduce us. Has anyone ever noticed that? Have you ever noticed? Okay. So, so this tendency to have our attention captured um, is an effect. And through wise attention, we can investigate this obvious effect and we can begin to discern the underlying attachment or aversion to whatever states are presently arising in our experience. You see? So we, we recognize that, you know, these things have a charge. And that, and that glomming on to this charge and holding this as who we are, this has an effect. And so when we're able to cultivate this ability to look at experience, sort of investigate experience, really I'm talking about investigating. This is how we use investigation. We're able to see whatever mind states are arising and passing away in the present moment. So <clears throat> how do you do this? This, is, this becomes a reasonable question. How do you do this? So, in my experience, in my personal experience, in my personal practice, I, I've come to know mind states as a kind of sensory physiological experience. So, I have an experience and I call that worry 
or anxiousness or anger or compassion, gratitude, kindness, patience. So when positive states become problematic and attachment arises, this kind of attachment can sometimes be perceived as a, as a kind of contraction of awareness, a kind of clamping down, holding on, clinging to, that is, is noticed and felt in the mind. It's like want. I want, 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 or something. And this state is known. I don't, it's hard to describe it other than the way that I just tried, but it's known. It's felt as a holding on. Negative states, on the other hand, also create a kind of tension in the mind as it tries to get rid of it. We're trying not to be there. And so this, this is felt as a tension. So when we can learn to feel the feeling just as a feeling, simply as a feeling, an impermanent sensory experience or sensation, a tension that's felt as a sensation or a sensory experience, rather than mixing it up with ideas that this is who we are, we can begin to relax and allow the feeling to be what it is. And we can allow, in this way, we can allow it to pass through us. So we recognize it as a feeling, anger. We actually see it clearly. This is anger. And in the recognition of it, we're not holding on or pushing it away any longer or, or making it into an aspect of who we are. We're simply noticing what's there. This is a feeling. I want a nod of recognition that you're getting it. Okay. So, in other words, whenever we can divorce our direct feelings from any aversion to or fascination with those feelings, we break the lock. We break the spell. You see? And we touch a moment of freedom. When we can see with this kind of clarity that feelings are just feelings, we can, <clears throat> we can literally break the spell. So we can begin to stop even trying to get rid of unpleasant feelings that we have or thoughts or whatever. Even there, there's a self that's trying to do that. So instead, we can turn our attention to the bodily affect or or just to the feeling itself. I know this sounds outrageous, but 
I want to encourage you all to at least give it a shot, at least try it. When we can turn our attention to the bodily affect, to the feeling itself, literally to the knot in our solar plexus or the sinking in our stomach or the tightness in our forehead or our throat, we can learn to, and we can actually learn to keep our attention there. And in this way, we can learn that the felt meaning, we can learn to identify the felt meaning of our experience to a bodily sense and not to who we are. Not to what we are or who we are. It's just a bodily experience that is arising and passing away. You can think of it as a biochemical kind of experience. And in this way, you know, we practice mindfulness of the body. This is how we practice mindfulness of the body. So we no longer, and when we're, we can do this, we actually no longer have to explain this experience. We don't have to fabricate a narrative about this experience. We don't have to evaluate this experience. All we have to do is recognize that an experience is happening. You see? This actually takes us off the hook. It is simply an experience then that's known to see, to arise and pass away. We see it. We know that this experience is coming and going and it's going to be replaced by another experience and it's going to be replaced by another experience. And this insight allows the tightness in our chest or our belly or our forehead to be released and the mindset that, gives, that gave rise to it to actually shift. You see? And then what happens? We're off the hook. See? Because it's at that place that we get stuck. This is where we get hooked and we get stuck. And when we can be with that experience, that tightness in the chest or the belly, seeing it for what it is, when we can be with it for a while, we allow it, we learn how to allow it to be released. We don't release it. We will never release it because we think that somehow that's who we are and to release it would be to lose who we are. Somehow that's what, <laughs> what I think we think in any event. When we're able to do that and, and meet that experience just as an experience right there, we, we take ourselves off the hook. And now I come to my, <laughs> my favorite part. And sometimes all that's needed to do that is kindness and compassion towards ourselves and others. That's what's required, being a good friend to ourselves. So this comes naturally with seeing and knowing, with the seeing and knowing of experience, and therefore the accepting of mind states as mind states, just as mind states, and not as one more identity about who we think we are. 
Mind states come and go. They arise and pass away. And, and it's this seeing that allows mind states to change. We don't make mind states change. Until we can see clearly that they're just mind states, they probably won't change. And all it takes in order for the change to happen is for us to see, see them for what they are. And this is how we investigate with wise attention. This clear seeing is how we get to the root of where we're stuck, of our stuckness. So learning to be with our experience in this kind of direct and unembellished way is really to approach our experience through empathy or with empathy. So what I mean by that is we can look at our experience and rather than fighting with it, we can sort of put ourselves in its place. What's in, what is the need or the sense underlying the feeling of tension or contraction? So we have this knot in our gut, our solar plexus, and we can, we can begin to investigate what is the need that's underlying this? What, what does this want to do? You know, what does it want to express? What is being expressed here? So the instruction is really simple. Attend to direct experience itself with empathy and mindful awareness. Then we no longer have to fight with our thoughts or our emotions or our mindsets. We no longer have to accept, we no longer have to struggle with them, basically. We can actually learn to see, see through the sense of identity embedded in our habitual and default strategies and learn to respond to our life in a more grounded and balanced way. What this means is that we can relax into the ebb and flow of our lives. And this is how compassion for self and others is cultivated. So I wish you all to be a good friend to yourself, to meet yourself right at that place and allow things to be just what they are and taste freedom moment to moment. It's, it's, it's available and it is our choice. And, and this is really how compassion is cultivated. We can't make ourselves be compassionate. We can simply see suffering where it is. And when we see suffering, the heart's natural response is to open with compassion, with kindness and compassion, with generosity. And then these qualities, these wholesome mind states, like patience and generosity and all of the paramis, these things can be developed. And we can choose to develop them. And when we do, that becomes the attitude in which we approach experience, and that becomes the experience of our life. So, um, oh, 
I'm over time. I thought I had five minutes to go. So I thank you all for your attention. And um, may you all experience many moments of freedom and, and may compassion and kindness grow in your hearts and may you share it with the world. Thank you so much.